You know, this week is um, the week we call Holy, and Palm Sunday is the springboard into this glorious week that leads to the cross of our salvation and ultimately the empty tomb. Palm Sunday initiates the week that really changed the world. It changed everything. And it is the epitome of Jesus' own calling and fully realizing his purpose. The theme that we're going to be addressing today related to calling, discovering our purpose, is the theme of obeying. What role does obeying or obedience play in your discovering your calling? That's the question for the morning. What role does obeying play in your discovering your purpose, your calling? You know, we come to this story led by children, of course, and I've got a little story I want to share with you about a four-year-old Sunday school class that had gathered and on Palm Sunday, and the teacher looked at the class and asked the question, does anyone know what this Sunday is called? And one little girl raised her hand, Susie was her name, she said, I know, we call it Palm Sunday. And the teacher exclaimed, that's fantastic, Susie. Let's give everybody, every one of us a cheer for Susie. And they did so. And, and then she asked another question the teacher did. Uh, she said, and does anyone know what next Sunday will be? And the little girl raised her hand and quickly said, it will be Easter Sunday when Jesus rose from the grave. The teacher said, that's wonderful, Susie. Let's everybody give Susie a cheer. And then she says, now does anyone know what makes next Sunday, Easter, so very, very special? And Susie raised her hand again, and she said, yes, Jesus rose from the grave. And the teacher said, that's great, but was interrupted as Susie continued and if he sees his shadow, he'll go back in the grave for seven weeks. <laughs> and there was no cheering and somewhat of a shock. And the point of that story is not everyone understands completely the significance of this week. What is the significance of this week? What does it really mean that Jesus rose from the grave? Well, we can't go there yet before we go to Palm Sunday and understand what it means to obey. You know, the significance of this week is more than just about cloaks and branches. It's more than just donkeys and a colt. It's, it's more than our hosannas and praises. This is the day that gets us ready for the Last Supper and for Good Friday and for the cross and the tomb, for the crucify Him, and He is risen. Jesus is greeted by the crowd on Palm Sunday as the King would be greeted. The, the palms and the cloaks, they were, they were a throwback, if you will, to an earlier scene in the Judeo history where King Yehu long ago was honored in such a palm processional way. 
We read about that in 2 Kings, the ninth chapter, the 13th verse. And the procession that we're talking about today, the procession of Jesus, Jesus riding into town, is one that happened on a mount at Bethphage, at the foot of the Mount of Olives. This is where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. This was a place that was very familiar to Jesus because he loved that family and probably lodged with them many times there in Bethphage. His followers had come to recognize the majesty and the identity of Jesus because it was just days earlier that Jesus raised Lazarus right there in that town from the dead. So the news about Jesus was widespread, and the question, who is he, was the question of the day, of the era. Palm Sunday is a very important day of decision. Palm Sunday is the day of obeying. You know, Jesus turns to two disciples prior to this procession. And he tells them to go to Bethphage, to to a house there. Let's read what it says. Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. You know, this first act of obeying is seen on the part of the two disciples who obey uh, what Jesus has instructed them. Jesus chose a donkey and a colt to make a statement loudly and clearly about his purpose. You know, we need to to say that horses in the day of Jesus were a kind of Ferrari of the ancient Middle East. Only the rich could afford the luxury of a horse. Only the Romans, in essence, would have horses, which was a constant statement of power over the Jews. The Romans had the the horses, and they were the conquerors. They were the ones in total authority. Jesus chose a donkey. He usually walked from place to place, but for him to ride in on a donkey was really an upgrade for him. But it wasn't just about an upgrade. It was about a prophecy. And Jesus was connecting with a prophecy. You know, we might say that Jesus telling the disciples to go and to get that donkey in exactly the place that, he, that they would find them was miraculous in and of itself. But I think we need to focus on the humanity of Jesus in that he was so familiar with that place and, and the neighbors to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He knew the people. He knew the donkeys. He knew the colt. And he instructed the disciples to go to one who would recognize who he was as the Lord. My question this morning is this. Was the action of obedience of these two disciples really the first action of obeying 
that we have in this larger story. It was definitely an act of obedience. But I want us to look at Jesus for the ultimate act of obeying. You know, if we go back to the 20th chapter of Matthew's gospel, uh, we read something else related to this journey into into Jerusalem. And I'd like to read it for you. While Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve aside by themselves and said to them on the way, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, He will be raised. Jesus was embracing his purpose. That's what this ride into Jerusalem was all about. His purpose to be the Savior of the world was to enter Jerusalem, which was, in essence, a death sentence for him. He knew where he was heading, and he knew the price that he would pay, but he also knew the end result, and on the third day, he will be raised. Jesus was fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah, the one who will come, the one who comes on a donkey and a colt of a donkey. This will be our Savior. Jesus was obeying his heavenly Father, whom he communicated with constantly as he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey and the donkey's colt. Henry Nouwen was a great and respected clergyman and author of the last century. Nowen found a sculpture in a museum, uh, a sculpture of Jesus on a donkey. And Nowen found himself drawn to the sculpture. He he sent postcards of uh, the sculpture to his friends, and he kept one in his prayer book. He looked into the face of Jesus, and he wrote these words. There is a melancholy, but also peaceful acceptance. There is insight into the fickleness of the human heart, but also immense compassion. There is a deep awareness of the unspeakable pain to be suffered, but also a strong, far-reaching love born from an unbreakable intimacy with God and reaching out to all people wherever they are, were, or will be. There is nothing that he does not fully know. There is nobody that he does not fully love. beautiful. There is nothing this Jesus on the back of the donkey does not fully know. 
There is nobody that he does not fully love. Friends, when we love Jesus, and when we love others in Jesus' name, in the spirit of the one who rode into Jerusalem and rode into our hearts and rides into the hearts of people today, we are drawn to love all people in a way that changes hearts, changes lives. You know, one of the great acts of love and obedience that I have ever experienced in my ministry came to me in the persons of Peter and Betty Wieto, who are members here of Lover's Lane, who have been members since 1995 before I came here, who came here from Liberia and came here in the midst of a civil war in their home country. Many years ago now, Peter came into my office and he made an appointment to come in and to talk to me about discovering a purpose in essence. He wanted to talk to me about what God had put on his heart and that was to go back to his homeland and to build a hospital there. This was not a project that he would administer from Dallas from afar, but a project he wanted to go right back in the midst of his uh, home area, which was in a very remote place in Liberia, and build and administer this hospital. Peter's story is pretty amazing. During the Civil War, he'd been shot and, and, and thrown in the back of a dump truck with other bodies and dumped on the, uh, the beaches of Monrovia for dead. But he alone was not dead in that heap of bodies. He went to his home the very next day and the home was burned to the ground and the neighbors said that Betty and the children had been killed. And so Peter flees into a refugee camp and winds up in Dallas. A couple of years later, he gets word that Betty and the children are alive, and he makes way for them to come to Dallas. What a story. And yet the story just continues to become more miraculous. As Peter in my office says, I have a burden on my heart for my people. They need a hospital. In 2012, I was blessed to go to that hospital that had been built and to meet the people who served there. We made a very difficult two-day journey to the far outreaches of the country on the border of the Ivory Coast and Liberia. In this, in this little undeserved, underserved area of Liberia, there was a, there's a township called Zoge. And seeing a white face in the bush of Liberia was not a regular occurrence. So Peter and his friends were trying to prepare me for what was coming. I was aware that my presence was going to be an event, but when I arrived, all I could think of was Palm Sunday. There were people everywhere. They were waving palm branches. I was overwhelmed with the hospitality. There were people who drove up um, from remote places on, on bicycles and on little motorbikes. There were people who walked uh, 70, 80 miles from the Ivory Coast to be there for this, 
celebration. There was singing. There was dancing. There were branches waved. There was a brush arbor made of the branches. And, and there we had a presentation of gifts. They brought goats and chickens, none of which I could bring back to Dallas, but all of which would be used for the good right there in Zoge. We got out of our vehicles and we entered into this celebration and I realized that what they were celebrating was not me, but it was really who I represented. I, I represented Lover's Lane United Methodist Church and the people they were connected to through this hospital that Peter and Betty had obeyed God to create. As we walked out of that crowd into the hospital. There were reporters there and, and there was singing and praises and, 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 and I got to preach that day. It was a marvelous experience. But I was overwhelmed with gratitude for the hospitality. I was thankful for the Wietos who had the vision to build the hospital and they obeyed the leading of the Holy Spirit. I was thankful for Susan and Woody Gandy, who were the first to embrace the Wieto's um, vision. And they obeyed, and they helped to fund it in a very generous way. I was thankful for other members of the community here at Lover's Lane who were moved to give money for the hospital and for an ambulance. They too obeyed. I was thankful for the hard work of the people to start this hospital that would serve outlying clinics and schools and, 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 and people in that entire region. And all of them were simply obeying the Holy Spirit's lead. I was truly overwhelmed on this Palm Sunday of sorts as I thought about the gospel message the palms raised, the praised filled, the singing, the dancing crowd. But the cheering was stopped. When word came into that crowd of a tragedy, a truck that was loaded with bananas and people on top of the bananas failed to climb a hill. We had seen that very truck and those very people earlier that day, just before we entered the village. They were on their way to Monrovia and failing to climb the hill. The truck rolled back. It went out of control. And, and it, there was a horrific crash. Two were dead at the scene. One died on the way to the hospital. I saw wounds that were truly horrific and I saw the doctors and nurses and hospital staff including Peter go into full operation to try to save lives in that hospital I'll never forget one young man who was told that his wife was among the dead I was told that they had five children he was devastated. He was weeping uncontrollably. 
It was a difficult scene to witness. I I felt so helpless. I couldn't speak the tribal language. I couldn't tell him what, what I so desperately wanted to tell him. I wanted to say that the palms of the Palm Sunday give rise to the cross of a God who is with us in the midst even of death to tell us we are not alone. And all of a sudden, Peter and others surrounded this young man, hugged him, and loved him in the name of Jesus. Peter was whispering something to him that I know must have been something like this. God loves you and knows your pain. Our God suffered and died on a cross Our God holds your wife in his everlasting arms at this time and wants to send the Holy Spirit as a comfort to you and a comfort to your children. You may not know how to cope at this moment, but you need to know that God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the Spirit of Jesus, is beside you right now and will be always. As Peter was speaking to this man, he stopped crying. And he listened intently to what was being said. Peter was continuing to obey God. To speak the truth of the cross and resurrection. And to love fully. Fully. In Jesus' name. Friends, this Sunday that begins with palms leads us to the passion of the cross. It leads us to a place where we know God bridged the gap. Our God is not far removed, but a God who experiences life circumstances with us, who has gone before us to experience the painful death of the cross. And we need to know that at the cross, the ground is level. And everyone is the same. Nobody is left out. There is no experience that any of us could have that our God in Christ Jesus has not experienced for us. And experiences is that with us. His death is the epitome of a God who cares and who knows our need. Jesus did not die on a cross for some in the world. He died on the cross for all in the world. He did not die on a cross so that some might believe and inherit the kingdom of heaven. He died on a cross so that whosoever believes would know that experience. Today when we contemplate the crucified Lord Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the donkey and the colt, let us remember 
the prophecy of Zechariah. Let us remember this one Jesus who fully obeyed, who connected with his purpose, and in doing so, saved the world. Amen.